On the Empire Podcast this week, we get under the skin of Under the Skin director Jonathan Glazer and we feel the need, the need to talk to Need for Speed star Image Inputs, plus the usual melange of movie news, reviews and nonsense on the only movie podcast that thinks now he's no longer a master chef that Michelle Rue Jr. should star in True Detective Season 2 and he should team up with a beautiful piece of halibut into the bargain. Mm. Am I alone in this? Maybe a nice saffron sauce with that. Ooh, lovely. Hello, Bob. I'm Chris Hewitt, and welcome to the Empire Podcast. Joining me today once again are three people who were in here when I walked in, so I might as well do something with them. First up's our Queen Geek, who's been known to dispatch soldier geeks to battle with anyone who doesn't agree with her controversial opinions on the Supernatural Season 7 credit sequence. It's Helen O'Hara. <laughs> I don't know what would be controversial. Because but, um, yeah. of the... The, the thing that happens the with thing the credits. That happens. Yeah. Off yeah. with their tops. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that happens so little on this show. It's I, I've re- actually been writing into Which complain. Show? Supernatural. Supernatural. I thought you meant this show. Oh, this show also. Yeah. Well, yeah, no. I've been I've been writing in to complain when you do take your top off. We're constantly shirtless. The noise you can hear is the unbuttoning of buttons. Ooh. Next up's our art house guru, a man so steeped in the ways of the subtitle that his favourite REM song is "Everybody Hurts." Song. It's Phil Dissemblian. Hello. <laughs> Hi, Chris. <laughs> yeah, right. That used to be my favourite. REM song now it's Radio Free Europa 51 <laughs> <laughs> or what's the frequency Kenneth Turin very good thanks last but not least is our trivia buff a man so dedicated to the art of inane and arcane movie knowledge he once spent four months undercover as a quiz machine down his local pub it's Ali Plum name three musicals with exclamation marks at the end hang on I haven't even put 50p into it yet what's are you just Ooh. hello Dolly correct Oklahoma correct Schindler's List <laughs> Oh, that no. was an interrobang. Oh, three movie musicals Ooh. with exclamation marks at the end. We've got so far Hello Dolly, Hello Dolly, Fiddle on the Roof, <laughs> Oliver. Oliver. Correct, hey. Oliver. Other Oliver. acceptable answers would have been Mamma Mia, Girls, 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 <laughs> Hair, Yes, Moulin Rouge, Yes, and I would have accepted that thing you do. Are there any? Yes, because that's what yeah, I was going to say. Are there any movies that aren't movie musicals that have an exclamation mark? Oh, loads. At the end? All right, so go. Movies that have exclamation marks at the end that Faster Pussycat Kill Kill Kill. Yes. Oh what a lovely war. <laughs> In the middle. Oh Oh yes. Yeah, what a lovely war. Uh, oh what a lovely war. Yeah. Um uh, So Long Julie Newmar, thanks for everything has an exclamation mark in there. Tu Wong Fu. Tu Wong Fu. Thanks for everything. Yeah. Love Julie Newmar. Yeah. Are you sure? Tora Tora Tora. Good. Good call. Well done. Okay. So, now we're in trivia mode. It's probably a good time to have your reader's questions that you've been sending in all week via Twitter. Uh, It's a good one from at DavidStreet76, who asks, What are your favourite uses of sound? Sound, 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 sound. Mine would be the Icarus Distress Call from Sunshine. That's David Street's, not mine. I just watched that last night. In preparation for this, or just... No, just in general. You were Chris Evans up for uh, Captain America... I couldn't comment on that. He takes his shirt is, off. He is he? the greatest thing in that film by some distance. He's, well, he's absolutely fantastic mm. in it. Yeah. That sounded to me like it might have been from some kind of Star Wars. Well, the, the ones that everyone's going to list off are things like, you know, Star Wars has got loads, Chewie, Darth Vader's voice, uh, but obviously he's breathing, mm. the lightsabers we just heard. TIE Fighter. Yeah, exactly. There's, there's just mm. so much, and, and it did win Oscars for it, so good for you, Mr. Star Wars. That's a good one. I Must like the T-Rex for... in Jurassic mm. Park and I discovered that there was, a, there was a sort of composite of animal noises. Do you know which animals they used? Isn't there something like a goose in there? There's something really unlikely. A goose, an aardvark, <laughs> an you know irate what... hedgehog. Yeah, do you know yeah I do. Yeah. They used, well, they used a whale blow for the kind of breathing uh-huh. and uh, I think it was a combination of tiger, alligator, baby elephant 
um, all kind of mixed together and they kind of synthesized into this big wow, big okay. sort of uh, reptilian roar. I've mentioned this already, but in the trailer breakdown for the Godzilla trailer that we all know and love, you see Gareth Edwards, the director, explain how they do the Godzilla kind of roar. That's a musical approximation, though I say so myself, uh, where essentially somebody way back when had this massive double bass, <laughs> a leather glove, and some essentially hmm. some not oil but that sort of material and then put this leather glove and pushed it down the strings of a double bass and that mm. gave the mm. that has now become so identifiable with it but seeing him cool. act out is pretty yeah. awesome I'm a big fan actually of the um, of the alien sort of weird trumpet in the War of the Worlds the Spielberg War of the mm, Worlds yes. really freaky very scary really freaky and but just sort of in terms of sound design and using sound to create a kind of a weird hybrid Score the mm-hmm. beginning of Once Upon a Time in the West. Yes, absolutely. Has just astonishing kind of um, virtuosity, I suppose, in the way that you know you hear the kind of the creaking of the of the uh, uh, the water tank in the background and the just the, the floorboards moving and everything kind of coming together to form this mm. kind of weird symphony of tension. I love it when um, action sequences play out to sounds. Bullet, for example, mm. the the roaring yeah. of the engines and. Uh, Jack Reach did it recently, a really nice car chase that was soundtracked almost entirely by the, the sounds of the cars roaring and screeching and breaking. I really like that sort of sound. I love when directors drop out music and, and, and dialogue and focus on sounds. The end of Alien is great for that. And you're talking about Jurassic Park, not just a T-Rex roar, but the... Is that how they did it? They got people into a podcast booth and just... Banged on the desk. Well, I was, it was an approximation. No, no, I thought it was pretty really good. You think it was good? I'll do it again. You can't see that, but uh, Phil's glass of water just made a concentric circle. No, no, to be fair, to do that, as we all know, you would need to string a double bass string underneath the desk and twang it to get that water effect. The best thing about that, uh, well-worn anecdote uh, from Steven Spielberg about how they came up with the concentric circles in the water, is that he was listening to Earth, Wind and Fire (laughs) in his car. He was driving along in his car and listening to Earth, Wind and Fire at full volume. Earth, wind and fire. He is Steven Spielberg. He can listen to whatever the heck he likes. That's oh. amazing. Um, I'd also like to just put in a quick mention for uh, Star Trek because when um, David Strait here mentioned the Icarus distress call, it just reminded me of the, the signs of the USS Kelvin at the beginning of J.J. Abrams' Star Trek. Mm-hmm. I think that's really good. And that's another example of kind of what you were talking about with the that sound, that ping sound, kind yeah. of uh, replacing music in that sequence yeah. or, uh, or linking in the music. I also love the way that um, Michelle has an officious used sound in that, uh, a couple of sequences in The Artist. It was really nice, that, that dream sequence that he has where he puts a glass down the table and suddenly it makes a noise and suddenly he realises everything's making a noise. That was really, really, really nice. And uh, yes, screw it, it's me, it's a podcast. I'm going to mention Sam Raimi and Evil Dead, which has this wonderful... What? Yeah, the first two especially, which has this wonderful on-the-present wind blowing throughout the, the movie it's always outside it's always there it's a presence in the movie which I, which I love we mentioned it before but the Transformers transforming super yeah. that we love uh, <laughs> Star Trek beam up Indy's whip uh, proton pack uh, we have Terry Gilliam proton pack. in a special extended interview where he tells us which football is involved with the secret tournament uh, Nike adverts in the early 2000s uh, were arseholes or not arseholes so that's fun you, you need to listen to that it's the podcast before this one but anyway I mention him because the coconuts and the holy grail I have played with those coconuts <laughs> they still have the coconut halves uh, at Dune Castle wow. near Sterling and if you ask them nicely they will lend you the coconut halves to run around with 
No. Yeah. That's for great. Reals. That's good trivia. For realsies? For realsies. Anyone got a favourite Wilhelm scream? Yeah, I mean, we, I've got the great one, which is in uh, Lord of the Rings. There is one in every film, but there's a great one off the battlements, I think, at Dogledore, I think. Mm. Uh, if I'm honest, I'm getting a little fed up with the Wilhelm scream. <gasps> hmm. It's happening a bit too much for my liking, and it's happening in, in sometimes in scenes that it doesn't belong in. Yeah, like 12 Years a Slave. It was just, yeah, that was weird. That was really weird. Really took me out of the movie. Next question is from At the Carl Jackson. Lee Carl Jackson. Lee Carl Jackson has tweeted into us. Wow. Can you believe it? Uh, he says, Would you rather watch the Chuck Norris or Steven Seagal back catalogues? Oi. I have a quiz alert for you. Okay. Can I just say that Nick DeSemme is not here? Nick has written features in the magazine on both Chuck Norris and Steven Seagal. Uh, so he was kind of like the expert. So it's a shame he can't be here, but maybe it's a good thing. Maybe it's a good thing. He just corrects us. He all knows the time. too much. He knows too much. The quiz I want to play is: Can you tell which person appeared in which film? Okay. Chuck Norris or Steven Seagal? Okay. I'm going to name the movie. You just have to guess mm-hmm. or remember. Yeah. I will also be sneaking in other action movie stars' movie Shit. names. Just a couple of them, and you have to call bullshit if it's neither Chuck Norris or Steven Seagal. Okay. So why don't you, why don't you play along at home? Play get along a, at home. Get a pen and a piece of paper. What's the prize? Uh, a hug. The Hitman. That's a... That's Chuck Norris. Correct. Hero and the Terror. Chuck Norris. That is Chuck Norris. That's Chuck Norris. The Cutter. Seagal. Seagal. No. Bullshit. Chuck Norris. Ah! Same thing. You know the answer to this. The Glimmer Man. Steven Seagal. <laughs> See, he started off with three Chuck Norris. Yeah, he did, was, yeah. I wasn't yeah. expecting that. Shadow Man. Shadow Man. That's Skull, isn't it? Yes. Is yes. that Nina Simone's right. song? <laughs> Sacrifice. Jim Broadbent. <laughs> no, that's Cuba Gooding Jr. Really? Yeah, really. Okay. Hardwired. Hardwired. Isn't that... S- isn't that Jean-Claude Van Damme? No. I don't know. I think that's Chuck Norris. That's Val Kilmer and Cuba Gooding Jr. Oh, come that's on. That's amazing. Isn't that amazing? Uh, <laughs> this one's easy. Top Dog. Yes! Chuck Norris. Correct. My I, brother sends me with a message. He wants people to realise that Top Dog is an underrated component part of the uh, of the Norris oeuvre, and he used the word oeuvre. It's a gritty canine-based cro- uh, cop thriller, so everyone should hunt it down. A gritty canine-based The tagline, I was thinking a bit of research, and I watched the trailer as well. It doesn't look brilliant, I'll be honest. Um, but the tagline for it is, one is smart and one is tough. <laughs> guess which one? <laughs> you have to guess. We have to spend the whole movie guessing which one's which, and it's well. It's we know Chuck Norris at is no tough. point clear. So, but is he saying that this this dog is like smart? Yeah, I see. I think so. Smart right. Lap, yeah. Okay. Okay. So that's top uh, dog. Sub question. Yes. What was the name of the character Steven Seagal played in the Onion movie? Cock puncher. Correct. Wow. Almost as good as the community's kick puncher, but with more cocks involved. You f- you win five pounds, Phil. Well done. You've won the hug. I, th- I think you've answered that question already. All right, should we answer the actual question? Yeah, now? sure. That was, that was great. Lovely diverting quiz. I hope you all enjoyed playing along at home with your pen and paper. But would you rather watch the Chuck Norris or Steven Seagal back catalogue? What's the bloody difference, I would say? But I, don't I may th- be wrong on that. I don't think I'd enjoy it either. I wouldn't enjoy it so either. So I'm going to go for Seagal because he's made fewer films. And also I think I might find them politically less obnoxious. Hmm. 
Okay. I don't know. It would be interesting to chart Seagal's weight over the course, <laughs> the course of the movies. I will say I'm a big, big action movie fan, but I, I'm not a big fan of inept action movies. And I think that by and large, the Steve, I'm not, I haven't watched every Chuck Norris and Steven Seagal movie, but the ones I have, I largely find uh, awful. So I tend not to watch them. I'd probably plump for Chuck Norris just because that includes Dodgeball. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, Steven Seagal has made a couple of genuinely decent movies. By accident, obviously, um, but he, he happened to show up in Executive Decision, which is really good. Mm. And Machete. Um, well, uh, and, and also Under Siege, which I actually <laughs> watched, Siege, yes. watched recently for the first time since the mid-90s and rather enjoyed. Yes. What you're forgetting is Chuck Norris turning into and out of a bear in Forest Warrior <laughs> uh, which is excellent it is some of the best subpar uh, Tomb Raider 1 animation that you'll ever see it's just so good amazing has anyone seen Chuck Norris's good guys wear black that's no, so palpably not. not true is it I mean who wears black right I see he's Luke so fr- Skywalker in Return the of the Jedi that's true. Yeah, oh okay true. fair enough Anybody he's subversive as Chuck Norris anyone seen Forced Vengeance because that always struck me as a very odd title that's a weird title. Forced Vengeance. Forced now, Vengeance. Now, we see that what that is, is basically they have two big bins in some production companies, one with <laughs> nouns and one with, you know, adjectives. Yeah. And they basically just take a word out of each. And if it were, you know, if they think it sounds nice, they put them together. Chuck Norris in Silent Rage. See? Yeah, uh, yeah, I think you are can, right. Can we, find, can we find another one? Martial Law, obviously. Um, Steven Seagal is Silent Tumescence. Nope. Nope. <laughs> no, no, uh, no. Sheep Impact. <laughs> Genuinely Steven Seagal appearance. Okay. Sheep Impact. Sheep Impact. Gunshot cool. Straight. Kill Switch. Wow. The Expendables 2. Furious Googling. I can see this. I'd, I'd see a movie called Furious Googling. I think it's Chuck. For me, it's Chuck. All the Chuck. way. Chuck. Chuck mm. for me. Let's have, have a show of, of voices because it's a radio thing. Phil. Chuck or Steven? <laughs> is this so your wheelhouse? Can I ask my what, brother? What if you watch them like in another language? Like, what if you put on the dubbing track? Would that would that make you happier? Um, which language? Uh, let's Estonian. say Mongolian. Oh yeah, yeah, Mongolian definitely. It'd have to be somewhere from sort of the east. So I didn't really understand anything that was happening. Do you go for the man with the incredibly tight trousers and the ridiculous haircut and the facial hair and the possibly iffy politics, mm. or? The other guy with those The guy things. who is gradually becoming his own country. <laughs> Are you saying that if he was on deadly ground now, he'd just plunge straight he through? He is it? a deadly ground. <laughs> he is. I've <laughs> <laughs> seen Under Siege. <laughs> I have no wish to see anymore. <laughs> that will do. And Way of the Dragons obviously got some class. But I don't know if you'd want to go deeper into their back catalogues, would you, at this I, point? That way madness lies. I mm. think your brother went down that rabbit hole a long time ago and he hasn't come back. He's now wearing a ponytail and <laughs> constantly high kicking order and issue meetings. Yeah. Uh, so what are you saying? What are you, what are you saying? Oh, what, I have to make a decision. Finish? Yes. Um, uh, Segal. Oh, it's two and two. Whoa! They didn't oh. know it was a wrong answer. <laughs> what? How did you suddenly arrive at Segal? Okay. So Segal, Chuck. Yes, because I want to see this director video film called Bells of Innocence, where he plays Matthew, an angel. That's good. Who then? Presumably kicks the head of Satan. Um, Seagal. Seagal. Yeah. And I'll go for Chuck Norris. Wait, so is it two um, against two? It's two against two. Well, shall I, do you think we should ask Nick? No. Uh, let's ask the readers. Not the readers. Okay. Let's ask listeners. What do you think? Send us in emails, Twitters, Facebookies, things, uh, and let us know. Do you think it's Chuck Norris or Steven Seagal? Now, because we wasted <laughs> way too much time on this, uh, let's go to a question from Wesley Etienne. Nice name. 
if you put the past 15 years of Best Actor and Best Actress Oscar winners in The Hunger Games, <laughs> who would win? We tackle the highbrow subjects here <laughs> on the Empire Podcast. I, I feel like I know this. Should, I mean, we, should we list? Do we have a list, by the way? Should we probably list the 15 no, winners? No. No? No? no. That would take too long. That'd be 30 people. Just, you just say it very quickly. No. no. Anyway. I think I feel like I have the answer to this. Okay. I feel like out of the guys, I mean, admittedly, Sean Penn's going to put up a fight, but the winner's probably going to be Daniel Day-Lewis. I mean, if you remember in Fight Club, they were talking about you'd want to fight Lincoln. He's got he's kind of rangy. He's got those big long arms. I feel like he's going to win the guys. Also, he's won Best Actor twice, so that's got to stand him in good stead. In the ladies, now mm. obviously we have a very str- we have some really strong challenges there. Hilary Swank, we know she can box. Jennifer Lawrence has won the Hunger Games twice. But ain't nobody going to unseat Meryl Streep. Meryl Streep goes into that to win. I feel like she's going to triumph even over Daniel Day-Lewis. I, I call her as the winner. I feel Meryl Streep and Daniel Day-Lewis might win through subterfuge. They might gradually, in a sort of battle royale situation, they might start killing people and assuming their identities and then befriending their <gasps> yeah, rivals. Yeah. And then they're all like, hey, but why also, is Matthew McConaughey no, being so cool with me? Don't and underestimate <coughs> them. They've got dead. the physical prowess. Here's the thing too. about Day-Lewis, right? He's going to get there a year ahead of everyone else yeah and he's just gonna become a tree yeah and he's gonna make all his own weapons and shit and he's gonna be the peter in this situation and he's gonna draw on probably his mohican experience isn't he exactly he probably we know he can live rough tomahawking like a mofo phil i thought you were gonna go for roberto benigni no i was actually gonna go for adrian brody but i I was thinking again i agree with daniel day lois because uh you know his left hook is as good as his left foot. Am I right? Am I right? Am I right? Yeah, no, not away. Uh, and also, I would uh, I would suggest that Tom Hanks has a great one-two punch. Hey, see what you did there. You see, because no, no, one year he won an Oscar, and then the next year he won an Oscar. So it's like a one-two punch. So it's like a one-two punch. So it's like a combination. No. Hello. That's <laughs> <laughs> no, good. That's good. Yeah. Colin Firth. Uh, Colin, we love you, National Treasure, but he's going down. Yeah, he's totally, he is going he's down. Out of there. Sean de Chardin. He's out there. He's two feet as well. McConaughey, yeah, I don't know. I think in a bongo situation, in a bongo off, he's got a great all right, all right, all right hook. Absolutely, <laughs> <laughs> the same shitty joke in two different ways. Ali Plum here oh, at the house. Really the connected. I didn't love like that. it first really, time. Really, really loved it. Just repetition. That's the key to comedy with me. Russell Crowe, he will destroy. He's everyone. a tiny wee little man. He's never. Gonna <laughs> he's, you, I dare, Russell, if you're listening, mate. Come into the pod pod booth and you say that, Helen. You say it to his tiny little face. And watch his little kiwi face drop. I know. You, listen, I know he's there. I know he's tough. I just feel like Daniel Day-Lewis could probably take it from him. I would be intimidated to death yeah. by Russell Crowe. Also, Close range, he wins. Long range, lobbing phones at people left, right and centre. Where are you going to get a phone from in the arena? Jeff Bridges, by the way, will just completely refuse to play and be sitting somewhere on a log. He'll be levitating above back. everyone. I think we should genuinely try and make this happen. This is a this huge... Is this awesome is an awesome idea. Yeah, a brilliant idea. Okay, I'll list the uh, the best actress winners of the last 15 years. Hilary Swank, she's not that bad. Uh, Julia Roberts, Halle Berry, Nicole Kidman, Charlize Theron. Ooh, Ooh no, yeah, yeah, tough. Hilary Swank again. Reese, she could do a lot of damage with her spoon. Imagine if she had <laughs> Helen Mirren, Marianne... Oh, Helen Mirren. Helen Mirren. Helen Mirren. You would not discount Helen Mirren. I'm not discounting her. I really am. Um, Marianne Cotillard. Marianne Cotillard as nails, anyone? Hey. Hey. No, that was terrible. No. Kate Winslet. Her. Kate, not no. lose... Kate okay. wins it. Yes. There you go. Sandra Bullock. Tough, I think. But I think she'd ally herself with Meryl pretty early on. <laughs> I really do. I think those two would team up. Natalie Portman. Too tiny. Meryl Streep. Her versatility. It is unparalleled. Uh, Have you seen her with a bow? It's honestly incredible. 
And her spear throwing. I mean, you haven't seen the released film that I've seen, but wow. It is good. Yeah. It is good. The, 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 yeah. The, the hard R cut of It's Complicated is <laughs> extraordinary. Uh, Jennifer Lawrence and Kate Blanchett. For me, it's got to be Jennifer Lawrence. She's won it twice. Honestly, I just think she would kick everyone's ass. She's too nice to kick everyone's ass. She'd team up with Sandy and Meryl. Yeah, but if you tried to kill her, she'd just fall over and then your bullet would go past her and then she'd stick you. She's not Trinity from The stick Matrix. Stick you. Look at you in your eyes. It's a life bleeds for your body. <laughs> um, That's the best Meryl Streep I've ever heard. <laughs> okay. Time now for our first interview. Jonathan Glazer has only directed a couple of movies over the last decade or so, but when he does, whether it's Sexy Beast or Birth or this week's Under the Skin, it's clear that here's a man who knows just what the hell he's doing, which is reassuring. He's also, of course, one of the great commercials and music video directors of our time. We sent the brothers to and Phil and Nick, along to talk to him about many interesting things. Many interesting things. Enjoy. Jonathan Glazer, thank you so much for joining us on the Empire Podcast. Um, first question, slightly left field. Had Scarlett Johansson ever driven a van before this movie? Uh, she, she, isn't, she had, actually, and but because she, she was very um, confident that she'd be able to. And I, I remember thinking, why is she so confident? You know, that's not, it's not a straightforward thing to be able to do. And she's going to be driving on the left and stuff. But she told me once, I think she went from... I think she sort of did Route 66 in a in a Winnebago or something like that in the States, and okay. or something like that. So she had driven a big truck that was larger than the one we ended up filming in. So when she saw it, she was uh, yeah, she, she she thought it would, would be no trouble. And um, we were just saying, you've seen it recently, haven't you? And I saw it a couple of weeks ago. It's still kind of germinating and marinating around in the brain. I just wondered how you want to, how what you wanted people to take away from it, the experience of Under the Skin. I, I respond to films where I I feel involved and I feel like there's a there is a a, a dialogue going on between the, the film and the and the and the uh, viewer, um, which isn't necessarily articulated. It's, it's it sort of works on a more of a kind of level of inner consciousness than you know it sort of bypasses the the intellect really. I, I like films that do that. So and and when. It, and in and in that, you you you. What I've discovered is, you know, friends of mine have seen it, for instance, and have given me very different versions of the film, according to what they bring to it. So I think you get from it what you take to it. In that sense, that you you imbue it with your own experience. I think it's safe to say uh, Scarlett Johansson's not done anything quite like this before. I don't think any actress has done anything quite like this before. But I guess the question is, how did that come about? Why her? Well, we'd met. Um, We'd met a few times in the, you know, probably three or four years previously. I had a very early draft of the script, which she had read, and I hadn't sent to her, but she'd read somehow. And then she, I think that's the case. Um, and um, she was in London, and we met. We talked about it and, and other things. And then we, we, we met up every year, I think, for about four years or so. Sometimes she'd read a, 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 more, a most recent incarnation of the script and sometimes she hadn't and sometimes we didn't even talk about it. And then uh, well, myself and my co-writer had a, got to a point with the script which felt like it was what we were going to be making. We sent that to her and then her and I spoke on the phone at some length one night. She was in New York at the time, and I was in, uh, you know, in London. And she said, um, "We talked about it like you might a book or something. Like you'd like you both read a book that you not that you both had loved and were very enthusiastic about, and you were sharing that enthusiasm. And as if neither of us were involved in it, actually, like there was no agenda involved in it. And and in her and in the way we discussed that, I kind of felt her really seeing it, understanding it, you know, and and." She she was connected to it, mm. and when you see when you detect that, you kind of understand that there's then 
a great chance of, of, of the rest, you know, of actually getting uh, her to inhabit it, and um, which she did. So, and then we spoke, um, and then I went out to meet her when it looked like it was all coming together. I went out to meet her again and just went through the things that I was going to be uh, needing her for, you know, because um, it's one thing really to... You, you, you need at some point to look in the whites of someone's eyes and say, this is what we're going to be doing, and these are the situations I'm going to be putting you in f to know whether or not they'll, 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 they'll achieve that, they'll, they'll commit to that. And um, she, she did that, and um, uh, she never wavered from that. So You were using uh, hidden cameras, mm -hmm. so a lot of the people in the film don't realise or didn't realise they were in the film at the time. That's right. I've, I've seen in an interview you compared yourself to Beadle. Yep. <laughs> Jeremy Beadle. <laughs> it's Beadle's about. It's like a dramatic version of Beadle's about. <laughs> did you have a fake beard? I, did, I didn't need to, really. I mean, I, I was sitting in the back of the van. Though. I was, we were all in the back of the van. She was driving about six people, myself yeah. and the AD cameraman and so on. So we're all in the back of the van and she's and all the, and the, and the hidden cameras are in place of things like air conditioning units and speed dials and stuff. In the, you know, very carefully set in, the, in a dashboard that was sort of made specifically for that to look like a dashboard but also to be a, um, something that we could house our cameras in and then all of the images of them I'm looking at all those images live in the back Did anyone recognise her? There were a few people from time to time yeah one of the guys who she, she wound her window down to and talked to on the on the, on the curbside she uh, he, he kind of double took and said I you know asked her if she was a movie star and she she was in all of her disguise, and he was kind of confused that he was even asking the question. But he, but he, but she poker faced brilliantly, and she said no. And he said all right, and then she carried on talking, and that was that. But otherwise, occasionally in the street, but not not often. I have to ask because I might not get another chance for another ten years. But mm. what was it like shooting that Guinness advert with the with the horses? Uh, my memory with that. What was that like? It was great fun. I mean, fantastic island because we shot that in Hawaii, and in Kauai, which is the. I think it's the northernmost one. It's where they shot Jurassic Park. It's the kind of Jurassic. I don't know what era it is, but it's. But you really mm. do feel like you're in that place. That 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 e epoch is that the word? Yeah. Um, and um, um, and I remember just we we were racing around the island to you know in anticipation of where the best waves were. So you kind of get to you got to a beach and then they weren't what you expected and then you'd all get back in the cars and you'd go to another beach and so on. Difficult difficult because you are shooting huge walls of water I mean and being out in it uh, it was a very exciting uh, experience and then the way and then the horses were shot um, uh, in fact um, by one of us as well the VFX people I w I've worked with for years um, in a studio in London oh wow was that one of the more difficult commercials that you've you've been involved in I think it probably yes I think it was technically the the, the work was yes yeah, so it was difficult easy on not easy but but they, they, they vary. They have, there's different kinds of difficulty. So, but I mean, I think the trying to make the waves and the horses be the same thing, um, and it's now. When was that made? God, over ten years. About ten years ago, maybe more. I think more. So then, okay. So let's say fifteen years ago. Okay. So then, in that time, that would have been. You know, it, things weren't uh, as. I think technically, they, you know, they, they weren't as or clearly they weren't as advanced as they are now. So it was a. It had its own problems just because the technology wasn't quite where we needed it to be to pull that off but but they did pull it off almost we ben kingsley was was very very late to arrive you almost at the point of recasting um and did you have someone else in mind to do the c-bomb spectacular in that film no there was there was pressure you're right about recasting ben because he didn't show up um he was delayed on another film from, from as i remember it and we were filming for two weeks before he showed up and it just 
to be honest with you, it worked out perfectly because he arrived as the character. He arrived and 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 you know, uh, he arrived as the buzzkill. Really, he sort right. of spoiled the party. <laughs> you know, it's like someone coming and turn the lights on. It was just like, oh, we were having a good time, and and it worked well for that. And no, I never, I I, I absolutely resisted any idea of recasting Ben. There was it was it was suggested, obviously, but no, I, I had no, I wouldn't, I paid that no. Did he really stay in character as Don Logan? Because I can imagine that being utterly terrifying. I was scared just watching him on the screen. He took himself away. He lived in a house on the hill, you know, so he took himself away from what we were all doing. He he he's, he he definitely um, kept himself to himself um, in order to be able to kind of um, achieve what he did. I've got one final question. It's a highbrow one. Uh, you directed Jamiroquai doing the virtual in- insanity music mm-hmm. video. Yep. Did you try the hat on? Oh, that's a, no, do you know what? I didn't. No. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't. I, I think it stuck to his head. I couldn't get it. <laughs> it's like a Lego. Uh, yeah, just, <laughs> just smells on. Jonathan Grazer, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. I hope it's not going to be 10 years till the next, the next time. Thank you. Hope um, and you. congratulations on an amazing piece of work. Thank you. Hope Thanks. Thank you. Cheers. Hello, I've got some casting rumours. Hooray! Yeah, I know how much you love those. Uh, first of all, the omnipresent, the eternal casting cycle continues for Star Wars Episode Seven. I honestly feel like even when the film is actually cast, mm. these casting rumour stories will continue. Let me guess. Okay. Seagal and Norris. Oh, so close. These are rumours for what is apparently a leading role in the film. The, the current story, the current reports, suggest that the, the focus is moving away from the offspring of Han, Luke and Leia and towards new Jedi apprentices or apprentice, apprentice or apprentices. And some of the names in contention are reportedly John Boyega from, of course, Attack the Block, Ed Spilliers, recently seen in Downton Abbey, Matthew James Thomas, uh, who appeared in a small role in Billy Elliot, and Ray Fisher, who uh, I haven't seen in anything. Uh, Jesse Plemons' name has once again come up. He is, of course, the guy from Friday Night Lights and uh, most recently Breaking Bad. He's been rumoured now for quite some time and, and unusually JJ has actually confirmed that his name is one in consideration. So anyway, but these are all yet yeah, names up for a young male leading role in the film. Huh. Very interesting. Because they haven't confirmed anything yet, have they? They, have, they still haven't no. confirmed that um, Ford, Fisher and Hamill are back. No. Nope. There's talk that uh, Billy D. Williams might be back as Lando as well. Yep. Uh, I hope Peter Mayhew returns as Chewbacca. And they still haven't confirmed even Anthony Daniels there, you know, as, as 3PO. No. Um, and there's those Adam Driver Adam as a, Driver, as a yeah. villain rumours. As a villain rumour, yeah. That hasn't been confirmed yet either. Hmm. Interesting. And they're about two and a half months out from shooting. About that, yeah. Hmm. Interesting. I Very mean, interesting. yeah, we 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 know nothing further at the moment, but um, my God, it just keeps rolling on. So uh, you know, as soon as anything is confirmed, we will of course have it for you. In the meantime, just you know, start fan scripting it yourselves. What do we think of those those rumors? Though? It shows that they're they're not looking for one type of person; they're looking for. Well, I think they're all sort of young, wide. handsome. I think mostly British. Uh, guys, that, that that particular That's a good crew. Point. That's a good point. Um, you know, so that's a little bit of a type. But apart from that, it, you know, it's it's hard to say. Uh, we just don't know enough. We, you know, there there've been rumours that these films are going to have something more of a female lead than than previous Star Wars efforts, but that hasn't, you know, been confirmed either. And we- and it would appear that if there is a female lead, that they've either zeroed in on her a little bit more exactly, or they're uh, they're keeping it very, very under wraps. We know that Imogen Poots did not get the role <laughs> because she bluntly, as you'll hear in the uh, upcoming uh, interview, said no. They haven't contacted me. Radio silence. Doesn't mean they ha- she hasn't got it. 
Well, they just arrive sometimes, on a door and say... No, honestly, sometimes you don't get a... You know, you, you do an interview and you think, oh, that went badly, and then you don't hear for ages, and then... You're working for Empire. Yeah, and then they go, hang on, what are you doing here? Why are you hosting a podcast we got rid of you years ago? And you, you go, ha, 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 and then you kill people. Doesn't that... Doesn't that um, I mean, that's how that's I do it. Like, <laughs> um, what? What? It's a blood spatter oh, CV. Oh God! I saw someone last night, Devin Faraci, yeah, on Twitter, who was saying he was saying that um, he's surprised with two months to go that they haven't confirmed anything uh, yet. Uh, but he says that JJ Abrams can be notoriously indecisive when it comes to things like this. But I would say, cut him a little bit of slack. This is the biggest casting decision I imagine anyone's had to make in a movie for a long, long time. Um, and you know they got possibly the last one wrong in Star Wars with uh, Hayden Christensen as Anakin so I, I applaud the guy going over his options and seeing everyone and, and going through every possible possibility he got, he got Star Trek right for me I didn't feel like there was anything where he went woof yeah. that, that was a blooper and that was with established characters so these are new people he's creating yeah. we're presuming here so you know whatever whatever works Absolutely. It, any of the Super 8 crew been rumoured in the younger roles? You know, I not wondered. that I can think of yet, no. Uh, yeah. Not even Elle Fanning, who you might kind of expect mm. to be in the mix. You know, if, if Saoirse Ronan's getting a call, you'd kind of expect Elle Fanning to Elle get a Fanning's call. Elle Fanning's great as well. She is, yeah. We'll, mm. we'll be seeing much more of her in Maleficent later this year. But, uh, mm. yeah. Uh, mm. But again, I mean, maybe that is because they have, you know, the people they've locked down on, they've managed to keep secret. Who knows? Can the Cloverfield monster. Yeah, he's in. Yeah? I think he's so. In talks. Yeah. Wrecking Coruscant. Um yeah, can you imagine though if you were actually cast, if you if he cast you and you you can't tell anyone, you can't say anything to anyone, for like a month. It's tough. I mean, <laughs> just, I mean, what? Uh, I imagine. <laughs> <laughs> Who are you playing, Ali? <laughs> Darth Quizim. <laughs> Quizim. Darth. Darth. Quizim. Darth. <laughs> <laughs> okay. but, uh, what else you got? You got another uh, casting rumour? Yeah, just rumor. another casting rumour story. It's uh, So we now have the Fantastic Four themselves um, in the very young shape of Miles Teller, Kate Mara, Michael B. Jordan and Jamie Bell. Uh, now, of course, the search begins for an enemy, a nemesis. And they're looking, of course, at Doctor Doom. And apparently the names in the mix are Toby Kebble, Eddie Redmayne, Sam Riley, and Donald Gleeson. Um, three Brits and an Irishman. Uh, walked into a bar and one of them got metal on his face but we don't know who so a typical Friday night <laughs> you know it I think I mean the the casting rumours last time about Fantastic Four were pretty much on the money they you know those names had been rumoured before they were confirmed so it, it's reasonable to assume that it might well be one of the, those four I mean Donald Gleeson you're about to see him very soon play a, a really creepy role in Calvary um, opposite his dad uh, Toby Kebble is is kind of a, a pretty dark role in the upcoming Dawn of the Planet of the Apes um, Eddie Redmayne isn't he kind of a bad guy in Jupiter Ascending he's certainly at the very least an ambiguous guy in Jupiter Ascending mm-hmm. and Sam Riley can do you know bad without even breaking a sweat and indeed good so yeah they, they would all seem like possibilities Mr. Gleason would be my pick, uh, only because I, I interviewed great. him, and he's really fun. Maybe they could cast all four of them in a sort of "I'm not there" kind of way. Oh but, wow! You know, I kind of like I'd like my Doctor Doom for once to keep his his mask on. Well, I mean, I, I guess it's it's similar to what they did with the last Fantastic Four film, where they also cast an ex- extremely handsome gentleman mm. and then had him go all metally halfway through. I, I imagine they're going to planning something similar here. Alistair, my new story involves animation. 
The Lego Movie has a sequel. It was announced, actually, the sequel to The Lego Movie before the first movie had even hit cinemas and blown everyone's minds and made approximately $361 million it's earned so far. Anyway, so the writers were already announced. They are Jared Stern and Michelle Morgan. Worryingly, Jared Stern is the person who wrote the internship. Um, hey. uh, now, Lord and Miller, they are the makers of the Lego movie and 21 Jump Street and a bunch of other great stuff. Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. We love them. They are on as producers here, which is a similar role that they played in Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs 2, which is a surprise success, certainly amongst us in the Empire office. We're fans of that pun-filled masterclass. So this one is going to be directed by the editor and animation supervisor of the Lego movie, Chris McKay, who has also worked on Robot Chicken and a couple of other things. So it feels to me like it's another Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs 2, where they take the animation supervisors and then give them a bump up, give them their chance to shine, and they'll have all the sensibility required to get this incredibly insane world. It's I think to replicate it would be impossible. It would be like saying, oh, there's Scott Pilgrim, here's another one. You know, yeah. you can't just do that again. So I, I love that they've they've gone in-house rather than bringing somebody else in. And I think it is it is very much what they did with Clyde because I think they were willing to make the 22 Jump Street, that sequel, because a live-action sequel takes a little bit less time uh, from their point of view than, than an animation sequel. Where, you know, this one has released date for, I think, 2017, so that's a three-year process. Whereas this way they can still be involved in that, still have a hand in it, but also do other things in the meantime, which is pretty cool for Lord and Miller. Because quite frankly, the more Lord and M- Miller films they can make, the better for all of us. I would like them to be some sort of Katzenberg-like um, studio supervisors for Warner's. And obviously, Cloudy was a Sony picture, mm. but you know Warner's doing really well right now. So with their animation, so it'd be good to see what else they can do. Well, exactly, they're on that, this sort of Warner's brain trust, aren't they? So that's got to be a good sign. Mm. I've got a couple of quick stories, but there, I mean, there's really no question about what the week's major story is outside of the world of cinema. It's this one: Kelly Brooks' ex-gladiator boyfriend crashes a van full of dead badgers, <laughs> um, and I can't really expand on that because I don't know the details. But we don't need to know the details. We don't think we need to know the details. It's pretty obvious. I'm yeah. sad. I'm sorry for the badgers involved. I'm sorry for Kelly Brook. I'm sorry for everyone uh, that might have been near that scene. But I, back to movies, wanted to just touch on a couple of things. First of all, Wes Anderson, his new movie, The Grand Budapest Hotel, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> close to my heart, obviously, being from Budapest. It's uh, it's opened really, really big. In fact, it's his biggest opening, I think, ever. It's wow. just It's just sneaked in ahead of... Um, Fantastic Mr. Fox by a whisker. Um, but it's, I think, six times Moonrise Kingdom. And um, it's about three times Darjeeling and, and bigger than the Tenenbaums. And it's a film that seems to really connect it with audiences, which is, I think, really cool because I really like it. And we reckon that uh, the poster, the promotional, the number of kind of big names involved, the way they pushed it, the way they promoted it has been a factor. Um, but I just thought it was worth mentioning because it's exciting. £1.53 million so far. I uh, haven't seen it, go see it. The other thing is Fletch. This idea of a third Fletch movie, a reboot. Segue. Yeah, it's an interesting segue, but that's, <laughs> the kind of, that's the kind of guy I am. Jason Sudeikis is being linked with the role of Fletch, made famous... Formerly of this podcast. Made famous by this podcast, I think. Exactly. I think that's exa- no one had ever heard of him before he was on our, our pod. Jason Sudeikis is going to be taking over, potentially, the Chevy Chase uh, role the role yeah. that made Chevy Chase it was right in his sort of ni- mid 80s sweet spot around the National Lampoon period um, where he played a 
uh, investigative journalist who gets into all manner of comedy scrapes. I think that's fair to say. Doesn't win a Pulitzer Prize, but does break open some serious crime rings on the west coast of the US. And there's no director. It's a project that has germinated and bubbled around. The Weinsteins have been involved. Kevin Smith's been involved. They've had Ben Affleck, Brad Pitt, Zach Braff, Jimmy Jason Fallon, Lee. Jason Lee, Zach Galifianakis, all kinds of people involved in this project. So it's just a step in that direction. Do we want to see another Fletch movie? Yes, and of the people you've mentioned, uh, Jason Sudeikis, uh, for me, feels like the best fit yeah. for this character. I don't know much more about Fletch. I need to read the novels, but I, all I know of Fletch is the Chevy Chase movies. And Jason Sudeikis feels like the closest thing SNL has produced to Chevy Chase since Chevy Chase, which is a kind of ordinary guy, but he's very sardonic, very sarcastic, but he can he can convince as a you know as a journalist as a as a, just a normal normal chap really. But yeah, you need that sardonic twattery really. He needs to be a bit of a twat. It's funny if anybody reads or knows Catelyn Moran very well. She is she had a huge crush on Chevy Chase because of his role in Fletch. And because of this, I've seen Chevy Chase in this whole new light. And I didn't realize he was a sex symbol of a sort in, in his day. So maybe this is Jason Sudeikis' chance to be a a kind of hunk. Jason Sudeikis is a hunk. Is he? Yeah, kind of. Yeah, with the beard and the suit at the Oscars. This is why we kept you away from him, isn't it? Yeah. When he came into the podcast. I could have handled it. I could have handled it. Yeah, that was a problem, Helen. I'm just, I'm admiring. I'm not trying to steal him from Olivia Wilde, you know. It reminds me of what, the reaction to this has been much more positive to the reaction that we saw with Ed Helms being associated with Naked Gun. So it's interesting how he's, I think, picked a better... Because Fletch isn't like anyone's masterpiece, right? So no one really minds it being remade. And who knows, it could be like 21 Jump Street, as we mentioned earlier, which was a reimagining and a new fun twist. So what if that's the hook? Fletch has a wonderful, you know, those great songs that were tie-ins with films in the 80s and whatnot. There's a great one called Bit by Bit by Stephanie Mills, which is one of those rare songs that actually mentions the film. (laughs) (laughs) So... Uh, you know, some of the lyrics are actually about Fletch, which is quite. That's good. I quite like it. I'd also suggest Dexter Fletcher, but I suppose it's too late now. <laughs> too late. So we say Jason Sudeikis is trying to make Fletch happen. One interesting snippet of news, big news actually, uh, as a matter of fact, is that the third Captain America film is going to be rivaling up against Batman versus Superman in the May sixth slot in 2016. Rivaling up against, yeah, it's a new form of kind of movie brinkmanship. It's a massive balls-out statement from somebody. Question is who? What do you think? Well, I think it's a, a massive balls-out statement from Marvel. This is this is bigger than Superman versus Nuclear Man. Uh, this is interesting because Marvel actually had that date first. They had uh, May 6th, 2016. They had it uh, staked out for untitled Marvel movie. They have a number of untitled Marvel movies scheduled for 2016 and 2017. This is the first one they've confirmed. We're obviously talking about Doctor Strange and, and other movies, uh, Avengers 3 and whatnot. Do, was but, there an inkling that this maybe Doctor Strange's weekend that was the thinking that was the thinking um, but uh, Kevin Feige has recently said that Strange may pop up in 2017 rather than 2016 but uh, this was Marvel's date first of all then Batman vs Superman moved on to that date now I'm not going. I'm not under any illusions here. Batman vs Superman is the bigger film potentially the bigger film it could be a billion dollar behemoth it could be absolutely enormous but what Marvel have shown over the last few couple of years is a growing confidence a growing momentum and uh 
there's a possibility Iron Man 3 became a billion dollar behemoth that they might feel like Captain America given that Captain America the Winter Soldier we, we've seen it we can't officially review it yet but it is very good and it continues their, their run their really really good really really solid run yeah I feel that Marvel are generating confidence and momentum uh, with Captain America 2 leading into Avengers next year which should be just huge and then that will lead pretty much directly Ant-Man will be in between but pretty much directly into Captain America 3 uh, which will tie up events that happen in Captain America 2, uh, one would imagine. So, yeah, there's there's clearly a new mindset for Marvel that Kevin Feige's already said, that's our date. We're not going to move from that date. That is our date. So the, the gauntlet has been thrown down. Will Warners move their biggest property? Because you have to feel that they will cannibalise each other, surely, if they open on the same date. That doesn't seem to be in anyone's best interest, so no, I would wonder if it'll remain that way. Have we ever seen a kind of this level of brinkmanship in a summer temple weekend? Is this the kind of thing that... This is it, it, Honestly, for me, this brings back those uh, those days when I was a kid growing up uh, reading comic books. Uh, you know, you were either Marvel or you were DC, yeah. and I was a Marvel kid, <laughs> uh, and I still am in so many ways. And... Uh, yeah, this this feels like it almost the reigniting the wars between Marvel and what they called their their distinguished competition because it was DC. One last thing I will I will say: there's been rumors recently that uh, Chris Evans's contract as Captain America uh, finishes after uh, Avengers two. This news would indicate that Marvel are already fairly confident that he's going to renew, or his contract is actually for six films because I imagine he'll probably do Cap three and then Avengers three, and then maybe and then maybe bow out and be replaced by someone different with a different face the other Chris Evans the other Chris Evans which would be absolutely amazing uh, but yeah it's, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens I think if they do go head to head I think Batman versus Superman will win but there's an enormous amount of goodwill towards Marvel movies at the moment and I don't detect that goodwill towards Batman versus Superman that movie has a lot to prove and Marvel uh, at the moment uh, are in a different area now, I wouldn't say different league but a different area certainly uh, anything else uh, we're all good that's all no that's super super stuff Time now for a second interview. Imogen Poots first made an impact in 28 weeks later, and since then a British actress has been carving out quite the career for herself in the likes of Cracks, Fright Night and Chain Air. She's got a double whammy this month. She's going to be seen this week in Carchay's Axner Need for Speed, opposite Aaron Paul, and then she'll be seen in the Nick Hornby adaptation A Long Way Down about four suicidal types who meet on a roof and decide to have a second go at life. It also stars Aaron Paul. And, of course... Pierce Brosnan Bronholm and Tony Collette Tony Collette does she have a nickname? no no sorry uh, sadly anyway she came in the pop with recently to talk to Ali and Phil about that Need for Speed and tons and tons of other things enjoy right we have here Imogen Poots in the Empire podcast today is Valentine's Day this won't be going out on Valentine's Day oh. but today is a sad and dreary Valentine's Day yes so hooray woo woo <laughs> uh, this is in honour of the long way down or a long way down? Uh, 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 a long way down. A uh, long way down. That's um, right. With Pierce Brosnan and Aaron Paul and Tony Collette. And it is a comedy, but it's also about suicide. This is true. So we'll have lots of fun over the next 20 minutes. Hope so. Hope so. Now, have you told Aaron Paul yet that you've never watched any Breaking Bad? You know what? There have been many an occasion where people have brought up Breaking Bad and he has been there and I've just sort of... I mean, I have. I now have. It would be kind of criminal if I hadn't, by this point, seen some of it. But um, alas, alas, yeah. still time. There's still time. And same Pierce Brosnan. Never seen any Bond films. Absolutely, have seen the Bond films. But okay. people keep asking if I'd ever do 
James Bond jokes to Pierce or Breaking Bad jokes to Aaron and it's kind of like no that's sort of what a moron would do yeah also I've I've interviewed Pierce Brosnan and I think he's a lovely great guy but he he does not give me the impression that he wants to talk about Bond in any way shape or form no way but he's also such a goofball that I feel like you know I get that from this film there's a bit where you guys are in is it Lanzarote I think we can describe Pierce Brosnan's dance moves as the octopus good very good he wiggles his arms big fan I keep uh, I'd always say to him he was doing a dad move so (laughs) if I was like I don't know dropped a big bag of nuts or if I spilt some wine or coffee it was sort of like dad move to the rescue yeah just swimming in yeah, he's he's a pro. I absolutely love him. There's yeah. no chance you happen to be an Adam and Joe radio show fan. Uh, oh, sh- I could be. You could be. Do you want to pretend to be? Yeah. Okay. Go Should, for it. I don't know. What kind of, I mean, what are we getting into There's not much involved. Here? Just go along with... He's essentially... These guys are obsessed with, with Pierce Brosnan and they call him... The, oh. They call him the Bronholm. <gasps> and uh, he appeared in a film called Taffin early on in his career right. where he shouts the lines, Well, maybe you shouldn't be living here! <laughs> Oh wow! You've got to you've got to see the clip, and everyone oh. everyone listening to this, go type in Taff in Pierce Brosnan. Well, maybe you shouldn't be living here because it's an incredible piece of. I'm going to do that as soon as I get back to a room with a room a room. As soon as I get back to a room, I'm going to do that because of course we're, we're outside right now. We are in a shack. Yep. Also, we saw around about the time you were shooting this that Aaron Paul and Pierce Brosnan went to go to a Radiohead gig together. Yeah, I was there. I was there. We were all there. But you weren't in the photograph. I know. Appalling. This is, this is, it was really. It they was sent a, you to get the beers. Or it was something. A, yeah, that's exactly what happened. Um, and I wasn't on stage with Tommy Walker. It was just sort of like in the background somewhere. But it was very upsetting. Well, you know, we've all got quite big faces, I think. So there's only room enough for two on that camera. Instagram's a square. So yeah, yeah. Can't, there's no room. It gets it gets complicated. As with everyone we seem to be interviewing these days, yeah. your first role was in Casualty. It was. I was covered in Vaseline, and the director told me that I had to have toxic shock syndrome. Do you gentlemen know what this is? No, talk us through it. I mean, when I was at RADA, there was a, <laughs> there was a small lesson on toxic shock syndrome. So whenever a director said, can you give us a toxic shock? You're like, yeah. Oh, gosh. Well, it's to do, it's to, I mean, it's to do with, um, you know, it's to do with Tampax. So that's basically... The start, beginning, mm. and end of the whole situation. So you're covered in Vaseline, you have a terrible time of it, and um, you don't have a great hairdo. I mean, that's why I was so confused as to why my teacher was telling me. I was going to say, can you talk us through what happened at Rada that day? Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, as an actor, Phil, you have to pretend, oh, stop yeah. me if I'm getting too complicated, yeah. to be other people. Okay. Women. Women are other people, Phil. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Look, I'm sorry to break that to you, but that is un- undeniably true. Um, now, in this film, there is a Valentine's Day death pact, which sounds like a horrible horror movie, but there is a, a pact between your characters mm. to not commit suicide mm-hmm. until Valentine's Day. Today is Valentine's Day. Does that give you any way the sort of the jitters? Uh, well, I, I mean, I, I just feel that Valentine's Day is yet another day of crazy expectations, and I don't know. If you, I think if you're in a lovely relationship, it's like the best day in the world. But if you're sort of teetering on um, life um, problems and the wrong dark intentions and it's a whole other situation but today's okay isn't it isn't yeah. it today's going to be fine I've I think got, I've got a great feeling about today I do too I yeah. just saw a picture of Paris Hilton and uh, <laughs> so it's just going to be great everything's going to be great 100% now going back to obviously not being unprofessional and asking people questions that you shouldn't Sam Neill Oh, amazing. What a man. What a man. And he has a fantastic moustache in this film. He plays your dad. He does. Uh, and he's a- very sexy. He's, he's a very sexy man. D- did you tell him that? All the time. Mm. Jurassic Park. Sexy. Sam Neill as my dad. D- did you say really all of great. those words? 
Uh, yes. Jurassic Park sexy. Yes. Neil is my dad. <laughs> Dinosaurs. Awesome. <laughs> he actually named a pig Poots. Uh, he has pigs and he has a, a winery. He has a vineyard. And um, that happened. He named one of his pigs Poots for that's you. Charming. That's charming. That's a compliment it is of sorts i guess i get kind of updates like i've adopted an animal that's such a good move yeah. what, what a great line it is Pig's i'm pig. gonna i'm gonna name a pig after you yeah oh. and what happens if he presents you with like poots bacon at some point ah that's a g- good call how attached can you get to this pig well i don't eat bacon okay but i have to i'd have to send it back mm. and you know he obviously isn't from england and he's doing a very english accent. he is he is he is were you saying no 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 you need to be a bit more like this well was there any of that because i just I just totally bought it. I totally. He totally had it down. No, he's very, very Kiwi, but he was actually also studying to do Peaky Blinders. So he kept... My dad's Northern Irish, and he kept sort of being like, I imagine if I talk like this to me in the radio. That's really bad, actually. It's a really bad idea to even do that. But he would constantly check in. And... Regret nothing. Right. Regret nothing. I'm, I'm absolutely storming you with questions here, but in yeah. the poster, and the bus stop poster in particular, of the awkward moment, there's you mm. sitting on a sofa with the lads. Yes. Zach Attack and the gang. And you've got <laughs> your PS3 controller in hand. Yeah. And I was wondering whether that was you just holding it as if you knew what it was. Or if it's photoshopped in. Or whether it's photoshopped in, or if you are indeed a secret gamer and you absolutely adore Call of Duty. First time somebody asked me if I was a gamer, I thought they were implying I was a player. Um, in terms of relationships. Are, are you a baller? Um, <laughs> uh, one day, one day. But I, I, couldn't, um, I couldn't really get my head around it. You know, video games, they are what they are. I think that I, I have played Call of Duty one time, didn't survive very long. Lots of corners in video games, aren't there? <laughs> Lots of corners. Many a direction to go in. <laughs> um, so there's that. I but, don't think there's been a truer word ever said. Right. There are a lot of corners in really computer are. games. They really, really, they keep on coming. Great, <laughs> great art form. But I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I think that was Photoshop. Actually, no, I did hold it for a bit. I think, um, sort of an odd angle. But posters like that are always sort of slightly off kilter. It's all lies, really, isn't it? Just a bit. Mm. And there is a, a great advert with uh, Harrison Ford pretending to play a computer game, and the light isn't even on. Oh, it's it's quite special. That's that's the second thing you need to watch when you get get home. Okay, making a mental note. Yeah, PS3, um, Harrison Ford. Now, when it comes to being in King of Cups, which is a different film entirely. Knight of Cups, Knight of Cups, Knight of Cups, Knight of Cups. Yeah, throwing it out. (laughs) King of Cups. He needs to rename it. Um, That does sound. That sounds like a porno. King of Cups, isn't it? Does it? I don't know. Does it? I'm going to say yes. Great. Good. Speaking of porn, didn't you have an interview with Imogen once you asked for the look of love? I did. We, we were <coughs> reminiscing on meeting on um, In the Box where you shot yes, The Look of Love. that's right. And I asked you what your what your porno name would be and your answer was, I don't know if you remember. Was it, was it a pet? <laughs> no, it, no, 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 no. Oh. You just said uh, Imogen Boots. <laughs> <laughs> but then, but then you know, combining the, oh, the first pet God. with the name of your first house, is that how it works? Oh, then, Really? I Should, think so, and I, you combine the two, but you had crumpet. a you had a rabbit called yes crumpet. Yeah. Crumpet. Well, shouldn't it be your first name combined with the name of your pig, and then you yeah. do yeah. image poops? That, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. Sam Neil's pig and your first name. That's yeah. good. <laughs> good stuff, guys. That's, that's what we've learned. I was wondering whether you'd spoken to Terence Malick and said, "Look, can you absolutely promise me you're not going to cut me down to five seconds? Please, I'm begging." Or you. in the movie at all? I mean, you don't know. You like turn up to work and you, and you really don't know. But that's sort of part of the magic of making. Um, making one of his films, I suppose. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. It'll be really interesting to see. But who knows? But you just got to have a great time when you're there, and then 
Can you tell us what a Knight of Cup is? Absolutely no idea. Nobody really um, knows what's going on. So let's maintain the enigma, guys. Let's keep it did you just get surreal. Pa- <laughs> did you just get pages of script or did you get the whole script? Um, or did you get... Sometimes it was... Descriptions of script. Sometimes it could be one thing and other times it could be neither of those things, you know? What's the third thing? He just walks in and says, Toxic shock, go. Don't <laughs> <laughs> miss that class at Rider. Where's Ali? Wow, I would... That would be... That would be really great if that happened. Ask him next time. Um... <laughs> This book, it's based on a book. Yes. A Long Way Down. It's based yes. on a book called A Long Way Down. That's right. And it's by Nick Hornby. And mm. of course, everyone who has a soul has seen and loved Nick Hornby's, what then became a Chicago set version of Nick Hornby's High Fidelity. Mm-hmm. My mm-hmm. question, I'm getting to it, is do you often make mixtapes? And if you do, is there a particular song that you find yourself putting on it a lot? Yes. Vox Trot, the start of something. You know that song? I do know that song. Yeah, that's a great song. Also, Love a Man. Little Jerry Williams. I'm not familiar with Little Jerry's Irv. It's <laughs> all time. And um, probably, you know, probably something like Cher. Didn't the Shoop Shoop song? Possibly. Okay. Well, now we know. Mm. Yeah. I love that. It's good. Filth, which we, which we thoroughly enjoyed, had a couple of earworms in it. The David Soul it did. track, mm-hmm. Silver Lady. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which well, I hadn't really heard before. That was an before amazing soundtrack, that. yeah. And the trailer is very Scissor Sisters-y with, mm. um, is it Filthy Naughty? Is that the track? Oh, I can't remember. Because um, you're filthy. Yes, yeah, gorgeous. Yes, yeah. Filthy Gorgeous. Um, yeah. Did you get those stuck in your head? Did you get the David Soul? Had you come across that? I, I mean, I, I had come across that but I was not expecting the woman in the back of the car to suddenly sit up and give a rendition of it. It was so good. The soundtrack to that film was amazing. Also, the animation at the end of it. Did mm. you like that? Yes. With the pigs and things? Yes. Pigs. Pootsie was there, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, the, old, the old Pootinator was, had a cameo. That's what happened the other day. I was actually, um, I don't know why, I was on a treadmill. And this guy came over and just shouted, Pooda! He was Australian. Pooda! And everyone looked around. And I was, it was kind of embarrassing. Who does that? I mean, it's, it's bad enough. Do we really need to make it worse? Puda. Puda. Well, you know, I, I sympathise because my surname is Plum. And I get that a lot. Oh, is it? Plama. Not from Aussies. Plama. <laughs> That's good. You're sort of like a character from... Cluedo. Yes, Cluedo. That, is, that is correct. Sorry. Welcome to my, uh, most of my childhood. <laughs> um, not, not even slightly a joke. Uh, I also wanted to ask about, in the film, you, the gang of you... Yes. The gang. I'm insisting you're a gang kind of lie to the press for, for, for reasons which I'll leave to people who've watched the film or will watch the film mm. that you saw an angel mm. and, and it is said that the angel looks like Matt Damon yes and he's near good yes uh, have you by any chance ever met Matt Damon are you worried that you might burst into giggly fits if you do see him I would love to meet Matt Damon I have not met Matt Damon there's also that brilliant Sarah Silverman mm-hmm. with Matt Damon and it's um oh yeah you know it um, we can say it. Fucking Matt Damon. Yeah, fucking yeah. Matt Damon. So we- I feel like he gets a lot of love from many different One, mediums. I, I happened to be at the Monuments Men premiere recently. Hello. And um, Matt Damon obviously was on the red carpet. And all he gets is people shouting, Matt Damon! All of the red carpet had that. Gosh. Both both names. You think they just go for sort of one or the other. <laughs> but it's kind of... Wow. It comes as a package. It comes as a package. That's amazing. Have you been on a red carpet and heard someone go, Pooza! No, I And what would you do if you did? Um, (laughs) I would run over with open arms. Oh. Absolutely. Or wipe them out, either one. Or both. Yeah. Open arms and then. Double whammy. No, you just do a clothesline and. (laughs) 
Matt Damon does an impression of Matthew McConaughey, which is kind of a global phenomenon. And oh, I think Matthew, I have you not well. seen it? No, it's very, okay, third thing to look at. Thing. Yes. Okay. Should we write a list? Yes. Do you please. want to write these down? I yeah. genuinely will write a list. Write do you ever down. do sound effects and things like this? Like the sound of a pen writing something down? Where were we? What? Yes. I was going to ask you work with Christopher Walken, a man that is often impersonated rarely well. Do you have a Christopher Walken impression um, in your locker? Well, let's have a look. So he used to say to me things like, um, he called me Stinker. We've got Pooter and Stinker. Pooter and Stinker. Really They seem somehow nice. connected. And there's a pig. Um, I'm trying to think. He sort of would say stuff like, uh, if, if he was if he was practising with the cello in that film, and he'd say like, you know, I, uh, my hands, they don't, you know, they don't work in the, uh, like they used to. That's, my, that's the best thing. He, he, he veered into Woody Allen just right at the end. He, he did. He just took a well, right hand turn. There could have, that's probably from the Annie Hall moment, sort of still. All I can ever do is two mice. That's good. <laughs> but even then, it's slightly crap. I just like watching people's faces when they do a Christopher Walken impression. What happens to it? It's difficult to communicate over a podcast, but it's very gurney. It is. I wanted to ask you about a film that I saw a couple of years back, three yeah. years back. Ridley Scott's daughter, Jordan, yes. directed it, Cracks. About a bunch of women. About a bunch of girls at school. <laughs> yeah. Well, that um, was the pitch, I guess. It's about a bunch of women. It's a women. bunch of women. <laughs> Do you cracks. want a part? Tell me, tell, me, tell me your schooling was nothing like that whatsoever. There weren't, there weren't pinafores no. like, like that. No, it was it was nothing nothing like cracks. I think it's all right. I think it's like, although I did apparently I was reminded yesterday by my brother. Apparently, I once put a note on a girl's penny, so there was a one there was one penny that said your penny stinks. But that's sort of cracks behaviour, I think. You know, well, that, deadly. You the, you did that to someone. Yes. Unbelievable. I know. Unbelievable. You're a nice. stinker. Yeah. I, I can't imagine <laughs> you doing that to Pierce Brosnan's suit. You're a stinker, Pierce. Your suit stinks. And then misspelled Pierce. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would really he'd, he'd hate it in. he'd hate that <laughs> now I've got to ask you mm. how much can you not tell us about your Star Wars edition oh Star Wars edition I had to pretend there was a suitcase and um, and you had to un- you had to sort of unpack objects from a suitcase I mean that was at RADA too that was the other lesson oh that was yeah the suitcase the Star Wars suitcase the Star Wars suitcase yeah yeah yeah, yeah. that's you, it you just had to unpack things from a from a box it was very long because you have to then think about what kind of suitcase have you got what kind of suitcase has your character gone for all of this was a little bit overwhelming probably why not going to be part of the Star Wars <laughs> they said I'm sorry yeah. your bag unpacking is ridiculous yeah, yeah. I think that's what they're looking for it's we- like what do you go for first <laughs> you know what I mean and you were using you were using um, you know comedy sound effects and absolutely boing yeah yeah all of that all that, all that jazz whoa <laughs> <laughs> I'm just imagining how I behave if I'm one of J.J. Abrams well no you can do like a one of them but then why would you be pouring water into your suitcase because you're nuts there has to be a word for that's the, the did you make the mistake of using like a Wes anderson old sort of suitcase in my it mind very much a it was suitcase? all yeah very kind of um, monochrome um, and uh, no but I think yeah I think that is why what did you bring to your audition in your suitcase that's the question oh I see you know? Blimey, is that the most unusual task that you've been given in an audition no, I've had to give birth once. Um, no. Not for real. But, um, <laughs> I mean, that would be an incredible yeah. ask. We'll have your CV and could you make sure that you're about nine months pregnant? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I see you in your second trimester. I'm afraid the part's not yours. 
So you gave birth, and then was that followed by a scene of cocaine abuse in a hospital maternity ward? Oh, a la look of that love. actually wasn't to do with look of love, but I also that that, that, that was that, that, that was Need for Speed, wasn't it? Need for Speed, yeah, yeah, yeah. That that that. <laughs> need for Speed. Oh my god. Um, no Need for Speed. No audition. Uh, no driver's license either. Nice. Yeah. I'm with you. I also don't have a driver's license. It's it's all right. It's going to be okay. It's I quite think. thrilling. It is thrilling. It's a little bit embarrassing um, when you're behind the wheel of a Mustang car, not horse, but it's fine. <laughs> It'll be okay. I have faith. A Mustang. Yeah. They've made the film. It's, so done. it's done now. It worked out. I think so. I love that you didn't have a, a driver's license and you're in your need for speed. Just so Deliciously wonderful. ironic. Yeah. So wonderful. It's kind of amazing. I want to know more about this birth uh, that you had. I think I just sort of got down and did it. And was it for, for a film that you can mention? Or? I think I think it was when I was... I can't remember what it was for, actually. I was very young. I was, well, not very young. Sort of middle-aged child <laughs> actor. Uh, I was about 15 or 16 and, um, and just sort of got down and did it. Got up, went home. Mum was like, how was it? I was like, it's all right. So I'm trying to think of like other auditions where you've had to do weird things. It's always a bit awkward if you're given a script and in the audition there's lots of action that takes place and you've sort of got to duck from, you know, incoming lobsters or <laughs> what what may may happen in that kind of film. I mean, that's, speed. that's classic Terence yeah. Malick, isn't it? It really is. He's just going, the lobsters are coming, get down! Every, every, every time, every time. Now, going back to the gang, the gang of the four of you, yes. have you made a planned reunion? Because I got the impression watching the film that you were best buddy old pals. Well, we yeah, we became really, really close during the film. Tony Coletta's a lady who's very present in my life um, still. But we had a reunion just now in Berlin, and um, and that was lovely. And uh, it's nice. Yeah, the dynamic on screen is definitely realistic of how close we all were off screen, mm. which is very special. But mm. it's great to have that kind of relationship is unreal, and have it caught by a French babe on camera, which is what happened. Our director Pascal's French. A, a French babe. Oh. Yeah. I was like, really? There was a yeah. a baby? Or just <laughs> back to that audition. What is going on? I, you mentioned that you'd had the the rap party for the look of love in the, the exclusive London night spot, the box. Uh oh. Yeah. And I wondered, which sounded like a great night. I wondered mm. what you did for filth. For filth. <laughs> because uh, oh, I don't think I was there, guys. I think they were they were still in Scotland, and uh, I imagine there was lots of whiskey right. and tape one. But no, wasn't there for that. Wasn't invited. Don't think. Ah, uh, God, this yeah. is getting a bit. That's awkward. Sorry, guys. So on that great note, yeah. let's wrap this up. Okay. Um, actually, I just realised we've gone over a bit. So. Oh, we have. Yeah, we have. We've been, was, we've, okay. been, we've been talking quite a lot of bollocks, so it's been it's <laughs> it's been a real treat. Uh, thank you so much, Imogen. Can I ask a last question? Um, I just wonder what you're doing next. Well, I'm about to go and do something, but <laughs> say no more. But, yeah, I'm going to go do something, guys. That's Th- what's going to happen. This isn't the Peter Bogdanovich project, is it? That is coming out at some point in the future, called Squirrels to the Nuts. Mm. Mm. It sounds like yeah. a 70s sitcom. It was probably informed by something 70s, seeing as Peter is from that time and is also 74 years old. And a legend. That's An right. Absolute legend. Absolute legend. Yeah, I wonder whether I'll get fixed uh, before the poster comes out. Squirrels. <laughs> Squirrels from that. I mean, really. It sounds like a kid's film. I don't think it sounds like a 70s film at all. <laughs> well, do you think? It's know. got a prostitute in it. So not a kid's film, then? Totally a kid's film. Totally a kid's film. Yeah, okay, yeah. good. Glad we cleared that up. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thanks, I, guys. I can only apologise. I really can. Um, <laughs> until it. until next time, you're more than welcome whenever you want to walk in on a wet Valentine's Day. Thank you for, so much. That means so, that means so much, guys. Thank you. She seems like a bundle of fun. She's a lot of fun. And mm. as you have no doubt heard, we now need to call her. If you see her on the street, 
maybe I shouldn't say this, shout Puda! <laughs> Hello, Puda! Uh, because she loves it. She absolutely loves people shouting Puda at her. But let her get off the treadmill first. Yeah, let her get off the treadmill. Uh, that, that interview was in honour of A Long Way Down, which is out next week. Is yes. that right? Next week. Yes. So we'll yes. be talking more about that film next week. We will indeed. We'll be talking about Need for Speed uh, very, very soon because uh, it's time for reviews. And let's start with Sir Not Appearing in this podcast, who is, of course, a legendary Terry Gilliam, who's in danger of becoming prolific with the Serial Theorem, his second film in four years. Can you imagine that? Cracking Terry Gilliam podcast special, as Ali has already mentioned, is available right now for your ears and is well worth uh, some of your time. But is the film? This depends on your love of Terry Gilliam. He is an extraordinary human being. As you know from the podcast, he is fun and full of energy and not afraid to say what he means and get what he wants. He is a beautiful hurricane of eight sugars in your coffee joy. And his films are nothing if they're not Terry Gilliam. This film, The Zero Theorem, couldn't be more Terry Gilliam if it tried. It is extraordinary how quickly you fit into the Terry Gilliam world. This is against bureaucracy. It was. It's against like monotonous work. It's against uh, modernity's all-seeing eye that's on you and iPads and Twitter and buying things and commercialism and all that stuff that he rails against. And it's great to be back in there. The story revolves around a data processor. <laughs> Wait, I know you're excited, but let's let's <laughs> illuminate you with a little bit more detail. A data processor played by Christoph Waltz, who was we're introduced to as he's tapping away on his computer everything in this world has a different form of technology it's vials of liquid instead of like memory or data sticks screens are operated via kind of a complicated xbox controllers it's it's all joyfully imagined he's living in this big abandoned church and he's just processing data waiting for the phone call and the phone call is apparently what's going to give him the meaning of his life phone will ring he'll pick it up and it'll go you need to eat more cheese that's it bye he doesn't know what's it, what it is. Something will happen. He has to be home to listen for the phone call and pick it up. But he's got to go into work. And he goes into work to work for a place called Mancom. Is that right? That's right. And that's run by David Thewlis. He's his line manager. Brilliant, David Thewlis. He really channels Eric Idle in this. Uh, he's zany and weird and, again, full of energy. And then above him is Matt Damon, who plays management, who is the owner of this big company. He just wants to be at home. But... In order to be at home, he has to take this task, which is solving the zero theorem. And the zero theorem is proving that life is pointless. So the man who is waiting for the phone call to give him a meaning of life is challenged with proving that in reality, it's all for naught. Literally all for naught. There's the conceit. In amongst it all is a huge amount of acting talent from all the people I've just mentioned and Melanie Terry, who is a femme fatale who is introduced into his life. And she is just sexy she's really sexy she is very much shot for her looks and she's played as this seductive beauty invades his life and it's the story of how he comes to terms with that problem everyone in it is good it is obviously shot on a shoestring uh, the budget problems for this are well documented mm -hmm. uh, they try to make this film three or four times as is traditional with all terry gilliam movies and you know, we, we've talked about how it used to be Billy Bob Thornton, who used to be up for the main role. Cohen is the name of the lead character. But despite its financial limitations, it is a fascinating visual treat. And though it is dense, to say the least, if you love Terry and you're willing to give it the time, you will get a lot out of this. This is a film that is worth investigating. And if you're into it, rewatching, it's got so much detail and love in there that it's worth a shot. That said, I can also see how it might divide people. I can see how people might think it's just a little bit too much. But for me, 
I bought it. It's, it's really interesting that the week after Wes Anderson brings out the most Wes Anderson-y film ever, mm. Terry Gilliam brings out the most Terry Gilliam-y film ever. It's very Brazilian, to say the least. Uh, people have been saying it's a kind of unofficial trilogy. Brazil, Zero Theorem, and... Twelve Monkeys. 12 monkeys yeah. So it's, it's more I, Brazilian than Hollywood. Correct. It, there is a lot going on, but I think that's the main thread of it. But I, I just... There are kind of interesting parallels with Spike Jones's Her in terms of you know, future where people are bogged down in kind of the sort of burping, farting kind of morass of information and technology and ads and being bombarded with stuff and the noise. And it's a very immersive, it's probably a more immersive experience than her. Her is maybe slightly more detached from the world, whereas Teddy just, Terry Gilliam just chucks you into this big bath, this big soup of, of kind of, uh, of binary fluorescent colours and all the rest of it. But it's just about a guy that's trying to find a human connection, I think, in common with her. It's very sort of relatable on that level, and it does have a heart. So it's not just all kind of weird, idiosyncratic gilliamisms. It's, uh, it's got a kind of a... Uh, it's, got a, it's got a heart to it as well. Not a date movie, I would also point out. Not a date movie. Unless your date is... Terry Gilliam. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, four stars, then, for the Zero Theorem. Uh, and let's move on now to... Um, what should we do next? Should we do Under the Skin? Yeah. Let's yeah. do Under the Skin. All right. Does anyone else have the urge to sing it to the tune of Under, under the Sea? Under the Skin. Under the Skin. <laughs> Two different tunes going on. <laughs> under um, the no, I don't, but... Um, oh, okay. but before before yes, we, we begin, I'm guessing, not a date movie. This is a date movie. Ali, I'm not going to lie to you. This is probably the perfect first date movie. With some form of alien. Should you then look? This is a film that Jonathan Glazer has been uh, trying to make for quite for a very long time, and Scarlett Johansson has been helping him with that process. You know, as I think you talked about in the interview, they met every year to talk about this part. She plays a nameless alien who you see at the beginning in a kind of a 2001 Kubrick, Arthur C. Clarke kind of birth sequence. She be- she becomes made in this weird void, and then she comes to Earth in a kind of evil messianic capacity to prey on Scottish dudes. Prey with an E. He <laughs> was opposed to actually like kneeling on know. Scottish <laughs> people. It's probably the use of the word messianic. Depends on what they like, Phil, to be fair. That's yeah, not just. Exactly. Well, she drives, a, she drives a white van around Glasgow. Hello! I know, there's your warning sign. It's Scarlett Johansson. Uh, kind of... Kind of... Oh, really? <laughs> I mean, I, do you mean that? <clears throat> Scarlett Johansson driving around basically preying on men taking them back to this strange kind of viscous chamber where they're like a black widow oh mm-hmm. see what we did yeah. there her red van of pain taking them to this sort of viscous black goo where they, they are kind of they're, they're their life force, their their kind of insides are basically kind of processed for this alien corporation that she works from Glazer's kind of stripped away a lot of the, the stuff from the Michelle Fabian short short novel mm-hmm. um, that explains exactly what her purpose is and what the alien kind of scheme is and how it, there's a lot of corporate satire that's no longer in this. This is more of a film about seeing our world through the eyes of someone that doesn't understand, someone that doesn't really understand how humans work and can't really relate to the way that humans have empathy for one another and the way that we operate, the weirdnesses that we kind of exist with. And uh, um, as the film develops, she she kind of starts to, you know, be penetrated by this stuff in quite a profound way, not in a sexy way. Okay. She starts to take a lot of these things on, and her character kind of develops a strange contradiction 
should we say, between her purpose and, and what she's learning from the world around her. But I, I guess we were talking about audio earlier, and I think this is an amazing sound design film. It's got a really, really eerie soundtrack designed Mika Levy of Mika Tuna Shapes. The sound design is astonishingly eerie. Uh, it's got very sort of stark Scottish landscapes. It's got some scenes that will stay with you for a very, very long time. It's cold and it's detached, but it's also got a lot of kind of... Uh, it kind of moved me quite profoundly. And, and it stays with you. There's things in it that are really, really uncomfortable to watch. There are scenes where... I won't talk about There's a scene on a beach which plays out. It, it's anguish to watch it, but it, it, you know, it stays with you. And there's a reason why he shoots it that way. Everything kind of makes sense. But it's one of those films that just sort of immerses you and you come out feeling kind of very differently. And it has an incredible power in that sense. I think it's the best film I've seen this year, personally. We've given it three stars. I, I would say that it's sort of it's a little bit like the Zero Theorem. You're either going to love it or you're going to hate it. So we've sort of gone in the middle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I love this movie. Uh, it's it has stayed with me. I would like to see it again. It's not always comfortable viewing, but it does make you feel. It does make you think differently about things. And um, we've given it three stars. Not everybody feels the way I do about it within the magazine or the world at large. So. I would suggest that you go along and make up your own mind. Indeed, because why? Because three stars is a recommendation. And five stars, which Phil will give it, is certainly a recommendation. So do go and check out uh, Under the Skin. Now, do we feel the need, the need for Need for Speed? Or do we not feel the need, the need for Need for Speed? Helen. So this is obviously uh, an adaptation of the driving game, which which comes with a great... Uh, strength, I would say, in terms of game adaptations, that there is no story whatsoever to adapt except for cars go fast, brum brum. <laughs> um, so Aaron Paul is our lead. He stars as uh, a young um, kind of mechanic and driver. You know, he sort of builds builds racing cars as well as driving them. Uh, all seems to be going well until he is he gets the blame for a fatal crash and is sent off to prison. And when he comes out, <clears throat> in order to sort of, uh, in, in an odd way get revenge or get his life back he he enters uh, an illegal road race um, and has to get across country to get to this race while the bad guy played by Dominic Cooper who sent him to jail in the first place um, offers people lots of money to get rid of him on en route that's that's more plot than you need it's really <laughs> stupid it's so stupid it's, it's more plot it's, than I thought it would have uh, yeah, I'll, be, I'll be honest it's too much plot some, some would say It's this is just deeply deeply dumb I mean honestly if you look at Aaron Paul, every scene he's on screen, he is 100% committed. He actually makes something out of this character. This character, you can see what's going on. He's such a good actor. It's all in his eyes, even when the dialogue is stupid. But he's surrounded by people who don't matter. And he's making decisions that make no sense. Uh, and and it, I just don't understand. And also, uh, you know, Perimage and Poots is stuck. I've said this before on Twitter and so on, but she is stuck with the worst written, most unconceived female character I have ever seen someone who in one scene will be a huge expert on cars and know everything about them and in the next scene is being made fun of because she apparently can't drive which I guess is technically possible but seems you know startlingly unlikely she just doesn't make any sense you know on hearing that the cops are looking out for uh, Aaron Paul's character and a blonde when she sees a cop she panics and ducks a blonde is not the most you know precise description in the world she probably could have got away with that also the idea of driving the race car that you're about to try and race cross country 
uh, for 48 solid hours before racing it seems, you know, again, like an ill-conceived plan from, from start to finish. And it's not ideal, no. It's really not ideal. I don't understand basically any of the decisions that anyone takes in this film. And and then the race that they're trying to get to is is so spectacularly badly thought out that I was just I, I just couldn't get past it it's obviously based on a video game so yeah I know listen we're not I'm not going into this looking for you know the type plotting one might asso- associate with a really well conceived thriller or something I'm just looking for basic plot and, and it doesn't really have that and it doesn't really have the characters to support Paul and give him something to bounce off because you know as we saw in Breaking Bad you give him Brian Cranston or something and you know there's absolutely no one better he's really good here but he's got nothing to work with Dominic Cooper spends all his time basically sneering um, Imogen Poot spends her time yo-yoing between being a total bimbo and an interesting figure and his his friends who are played by you know good people um, Rami Malek and people like that are in there they just don't have anything to do they just you know do a couple of uh, stunts and then disappear. And even though the Aaron Paul's driving a race car and they're driving a truck, they somehow seem to overtake him on a regular basis so he can refuel and stuff. It doesn't make any sense. I don't understand why any, anybody did anything in this film. Also, the dialogue is laughable. Having said that, we had quite a lot of fun just <laughs> laughing at it, not with it. But is it funny? Uh, the important thing for me is that it needs to be amusing. We've got, you know, Beetlejuice on this film. Like, are, are there humours... But there's humours like, I mean, yeah, Michael Keaton, who is the guy who's basically organised this illegal race, he's meant to be this mysterious figure and no one knows who he is, but he broadcasts his face on the internet. Mm. I mean, and he's meant to be a millionaire and, and have a past as a racing car driver, or so we're told, or so it's hinted. And his face is on the internet, so I'm sure somebody could put together who he is. Presumably Image and Peter's character can't use the internet. Well, it's half the scene she would be able to, but the other half she She's wouldn't. She's doing code one minute and then the next minute absolutely doesn't have to turn the machine exactly, on. Exactly. Yes. Okay. I'm guessing the joke about her not being able to drive was included last minute because, as we just discovered on the in the interview, she actually cannot drive, but she did get this part. So she's playing this character. Obviously, I understand how acting works. You don't have to be the person. Sure. Uh, but I imagine... I imagine that her actually saying, yes, so I can't do any of that driving stuff uh, must have come up at some point. I remember when we, when, we, when we figured out that thing about not having to be the person when you're acting. That was about like, yeah, that was last month, wasn't it? Yeah, I think, was it February? Yeah, That's February. changed my life, I'll Wait, be honest. Wait, so you mean Hugh Jackman doesn't have metal claws? No, that is no. true. Oh, okay. Oh, right. no, that's true. Oh, okay, sorry. He does. We had them sawn off, but they've sort of grown back. So um, what about the action, for example? There's, there's a, there was a lot of uh, hype beforehand mm. that perhaps unlike Fast and Furious yeah. uh, franchise, which does a, quite a lot of CG stunts, that this would be mostly in camera, it would be real cars being raced for real with real drivers. That is, I mean, most of that's true. There are a couple of really good st- car stunts. Um, I'm not sure that, that it's no CGI. I think it's minimal CGI. Um, yeah. but, uh, but the car stunts are fine. Um, there, as, as far as they go, there are times when it's not entirely clear which car is which uh, in the final race. And also, I mean, again, that, that, that race just it irritates me on so many levels and I can't talk about it because of spoilers. But <sighs> OK, I think that says it all, <laughs> to, be, to be honest. Uh, so it's not, for example, it, you never know, it might be a huge hit. It might It might be a huge hit. I'm no, I, I mean, I, you know, exactly. You can never r- rule out a hit in, in cases like this where it involves cars going broom. Is Imogen Poots' character as thankless as Abby Cornish's in Robocop? Um, well, but Abby Cornish's is bad, uh, but there's nothing to it. She, Imogen Poots is in almost every scene. And it doesn't make any sense. Okay, so we gave Need for Speed two stars, which is not a recommendation. 
also out this week is Irish Stag Do Comedy The Stag which we reviewed on last week's show ahead of its release in Ireland uh, it's pretty good three stars yep. for that one as well and that's it for this week's Empire Podcast join us next week for more film related fun where we'll be joined by two manly men men's men men about town first is Jack O'Connell the fast rising British star of Startup and then Mr Josh Brolin will be here to talk about Jason Reitman's Labour Day and much much more until then it's goodbye from Helen fare thee well it's goodbye from Ali two more safety last and them both have exclamation marks at the end and Mars attacks and Mars attacks like Helen said it's goodbye from Phil as well goodbye and it's goodbye from me I'm off to pitch a new film starring Chuck Norris and Steven Seagal Phil give me an adjective rambunctious Helen give me a noun badger Ali give me an exclamation mark bing coming next year Chuck Norris and Steven Seagal in rambunctious badger bing we'll be sitting on the beach earning 20% see you next week 